coming, coming was, when do I get to teach? I already knew it was, when are you going to let me preach? I'm a preacher. And so the first thing I asked was, what church do you go to? He was like, well, I come out of the Goldsworth area. And um, I was like, well, how come you're not going to church in Goldsworth? They're just trying to drive from all the way down town. He was like, well, I can't find a biblical church. I was like, you're not looking very hard. I know some of those guys out there. In fact, I know a guy in Abigail, I know a guy in Juanita. I knew these guys well. I was in the association. They're biblical guys. I was like, you can find one even closer than Northside Baptist Church in Long He said, well, when I get to talking to them, they all tell me the same thing. I can't teach the class. And I was like, well, if they told you that, I'm probably going to tell you that. And he was like, well, I need to teach class on marriage. Why do you feel that there's a little class on there? He said, well, I've been divorced seven times. And I want to teach him how to go through divorce. And I was like, I want to teach him how to stay married and have a good rest of your day. So, it does happen. But tonight we're going to take a look at let's look at Jesus praying. Let's take a look at Jesus praying. I want to talk a little bit about prayer. And I feel like as pastor, sometimes, and especially here last week, you see my, my uh, way of the master class has been experiencing in that, not personally, something of nature, but they're experiencing when you get out and start witnessing, and out of a sudden, the devil starts attacking you over me. And things happen to try to discourage you and try to make you back off. And then when you get into your personal prayer time, out of a sudden, the phone rings, the, the phone dings, the kids start saying, Mom, Dad, whatever it may be, anything in the world to try to keep you from that prayer time. And I want you to know tonight's class is not directed at a person, it's directed at life in general, and sometimes life tries to take us away from prayer. Now we need to understand something. Jesus Christ is life. You are not living unless you are with Jesus. Make sure you have that prayer time. So we are looking at Jesus praying tonight. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to start in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to spend most of our time there. Uh, let's open up with that word of prayer. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we want to thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word is quick and it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray, Lord God, you cut down to our hearts tonight. I pray, Lord, you would speak to us, you would edify us, equip us, encourage us, educate us, Lord God. And I also pray, Lord, you would motivate us to have that prayer time in our life, to have that personal relationship with you in our life, and to make sure that takes precedence over everything. Knowing you is all important, Lord God, and I just pray that not one of us would compromise our relationship with you for anything in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your breath. And now know that the theological loaded scripture, and lots of people have their own opinions and thoughts on those. I want to steer clear of those tonight, and I want to speed past them, if you will, and just look at the obvious that's there. And the first things that we're looking at, number one, that Jesus knows, look with me in verse 31 here, Jesus knows Satan wants to sift you like me. Now, a lot of people will say, that's just for Simon Peter. I don't believe that. I believe that's for anybody who truly wants to do the will of God, or somebody who's starting to look, can I be a part of what God is doing? Out of a sudden, and perhaps you can relate to this, you are one of those, that I started wanting to do what God wants me to do. I started becoming God. I started becoming Christian. I started getting in my Bible. I started getting in the prayer life, and then it seemed like the world just fell down on my shoulders. And I'm talking to you tonight. 
then perhaps we need to learn a little bit from what Simon had to learn and from what Jesus told him that. He actually pulls Simon aside and he says, Satan is asking you that he may sift you as wheat. Now, when you sift something like wheat, there's something we need a picture we need to see here. You have a fork, like a big fork kind of thing. It's called a winnowing fork. That winnowing fork will grab hold of the wheat and it will toss it up in the air. And theoretically, and majority happened with the wheat to separate from the shape. Doing two separate ways, the wind would actually separate them. What was heavier would fall, what was lighter would throw away. The shape would throw away. And of course, the good grain, the heavy grain, will start falling down. And what Satan is asking for is, I want to find out what this guy is made of. I want to find out if he is what he says he is. I want to find out if what's inside of him is good seed, or if it's just so we get a picture here of Satan asking God Almighty, can I sift Simon like wheat? Now, as scary as that may sound, and as applicable as that may sound to you at the moment, I don't think there's a mama in the world that doesn't feel like Satan is sifting her like wheat. Can I get the amen from the mama? If you've got kids at home, you know what I'm talking about. Mama, mama, mama. Mama, and I remember the night I woke up. I heard a commotion in my house. I'd fallen asleep. I had to get up and go to work early in the morning, and I thought it was something bad. It wasn't something bad. It was actually something very funny to me. It was something bad for Betsy, though. I walked out into the hallway, and my eldest son, who was just getting ready to graduate high school, had a hold of her ankle, and he was down on the ground, and she was pulling through the hallway. He was playing, and he was going, he said, Mom, make me a sandwich. Mom. Make me a sandwich and laughing. And it woke me up, though. Mom, make me a sandwich. And it's funny and it's cute as that may sound, though. That takes a toll on a mama, doesn't it? It does. She, she wanted to get in bed as well. She wanted to be there. She wanted to rest a little bit. And sometimes we feel like anything and everything comes between us, between our rest, between our relaxation, between our relationship with God. And we got to remember, sometimes those things are the devil. Just about it. Verse 32. But I prayed to you that your faith should not fail. Thank God for Jesus. Somebody say amen. I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you returned to me, now, of course, it's prophecy. We know what happens with Peter. We know his denial of Jesus Christ. We know what happens there. Remember with the clothing of the roosters and things like that. When you return to me, strengthen your brethren. And we also know how that's fulfilled give him some commissions there. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Right? You know what happens there. And I'm not going to spend time going into that, though it's interesting and as scripturally uh, fulfilling as that is, as spiritually fulfilling as that is, we're going to sell past that. Let's take a look at our next slide. Incidentally, if you're joining us tonight, we want to welcome you and ask you to be here in the sanctuary with us next Wednesday night. Experience what God is doing. Come and be a part of the fellowship of Robert Cavity. It's really hard to serve God on a couch. You need to get into the pew, and the pew you should get motivated to get out and share the gospel to the world. That's what the church is all about. It's about getting motivated, empowered, encouraged to share the gospel. And when we get out in the world, we're going to be defeated sometimes. We're going to be beaten sometimes. We're going to feel like we've been beat sideways, upside down, turned upside down, and all around. But when we come back into church, we get re-encouraged to get back out there and share the gospel. And one of the things we do as Christians to do that is have that personal love relationship with God that is expressed 
in our prayer life. Are you hearing me? I'm not preaching for the choir here. Our prayer life here. Jesus tells Peter, I have prayed for you. Now imagine Jesus right now praying for you as he prays for Peter. Jesus does, though, pray for you that way. A lot of us think, well, it's just something special to Peter. No, no, no. He prays for us. He is a king for us. He prays for you that way. Hebrews 7, verse 25 tells us that. He says that Jesus is able to save you forever because he always lives and makes intercession for you. In fact, I think there's no better way than to read the actual scripture. Let's read it together. Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he's also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives, help me finish it here, to make intercession for them. He lives to make intercession for you. He lives to make intercession for you. He is right there at the right hand of the Father saying, don't believe what Satan said. He's more than just safe. That's good seed. That's weak. That is something special. And I paid for him. Our intercessor, Jesus Christ. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's find out a little bit more about him. I want to live in the seat for us. Let's find out a little bit more about that. Next slide, please. He always lives to make intercession for you. And we just read about that in the scripture. Jesus is living to always pray for you, and we should meditate on that truth. In fact, if you're feeling discouraged tonight, you should right now be encouraged. Jesus is praying for you. You should right now be leaving the church, the house of the living God, saying, Jesus is praying for me. If you don't have a reason to smile, you should be walking out smiling tonight. Jesus praying for you. Not only that, but he's already given you a commission. If you listen to what he said to Peter, he said, when you return, make sure you minister to my brethren. Make sure you bring my people. So Jesus not only prays for you, he commands you to pray. Twice, if you look in Luke 22, you look twice in there, in verses 40 and 46, you'll actually find what Jesus says. In fact, let's read them together. Now, they put them up on the screen, and it's gave reference there, but I'm going to read them to you here from my Bible here. Luke 22, and look at me in verse 40. And when he was at the place, he said to them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. That's one. Pray. Pray. When they were at the place. Now, we know that place is the Garden of Gethsemane. And we know that every one of us could say we have a Gethsemane experience. That's that time in your life where you lay down everything. When you said, God, your will be done. Your will be done. And every one of us, if you're a true Christian, there's a time you said here is what Jesus tells his disciples in verse 40. Pray that you enter not into temptation. Look at me in verse 46. And look what Jesus says again. Why sleep ye? Rise and pray that you enter into temptation. Not once, but twice. Pray. And you should know from the Hebrew scriptures and a, a Jewish pastor that in the mouth of two or three witnesses is fulfilled, right? Twice we have that life here. Since not only does Jesus pray for us, he commands us to pray. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Pray. You ever sing that song, Sweet Hour of Prayer? That sweet hour of prayer? When sin comes, the sweet hour of prayer will deliver. The sweet hour of prayer that saves and causes temptation to fall away. The sweet hour of prayer says again. Let's look at our next slide. Now, Jesus prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And he prayed, if you were to look at him, verse 41, pray, I'm going to use 
pray to me this. If we're going to learn a little bit about Jesus praying, then we need to start praying the way Jesus prays. And that's the first thing Jesus did was pray immediately. So look at me in verse 41 of Luke chapter 22. The Bible tells us he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. He walked about as far as though somebody could throw a rock and got down on his knees. That's pretty immediate. Some of us have to make sure we're away from anybody, everybody, any distraction, anything going on before we start praying. Jesus only walked away as far as the stone was thrown down. I'm not talking about a stone that he reared back and, and hurled like an Olympus, uh, Olympic discus throw. No, no, no. It's just a little rock throw. You know, maybe here to where the cross is over there, something maybe just a little bit further than that. And Jesus gets on his knees and he prays. My Bible says in verse 41, he knelt down and he prayed. Immediately he prayed. And he didn't care if he saw them. He didn't care if he heard them. He didn't care who was around. He prayed. And if we're going to be prayers like Jesus commanded us to be, then we need to start learning to pray immediately. We don't pray about it later on. Pray about it right now. Let me ask you a question, Christian. Let me ask you a question if you're online. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever tell somebody, I'm going to pray for you? Then you hang up the phone, you quit texting, you quit emailing, and you never actually pray for them. Are you one of those people? Do what Jesus did and start praying immediately. Let me tell you something. If you call me, if you text me, and I say I'm praying for you, I usually say I'm praying for you right now. And that means I am on my knees praying for you right now. Now, and you can pray with me, we can pray together, and I want you to know, I learned it from Jesus. He walked as far as a stone throw away, got on his knees and prayed, and I call that immediately. He didn't wait for something else. He didn't wait for an opportune time. He didn't wait for, well, i got to wait till things are right, till the stars are aligned, or wait till there's no distractions. He got on his knees and prayed. Incidentally, right now, he is facing the cross. He knows that there's about to be a whole band coming to the garden and erection, he still gets on his knees and he prays. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Pray immediately. Let's take a look at the next one. Pray immediately. So let's look at a scriptural example from this. Philippians 4 verse 6 tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So how do you pray? If you're praying immediately, you should be in prayer about everything. Being anxious for nothing. Is something bothering you? Start praying about it. Start praying about it. When it bothers you, when you have anxiety, you don't pray about it. But in everything, my Bible says, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving, I thank you, Abba Father, that there is nothing too difficult for thee. We get another picture about immediate prayer. So we get verse 27. I'm going to read this quickly because I'm running out of time here. But truly against the Holy Spirit, Jesus took me to prayer. That the disciples were praying after they had been beaten, after they had been 
warned. Don't you dare come back in here teaching and preaching in this name. Don't you dare keep that church open. You better close it. Don't you dare meet together, start singing God's praises. Don't you dare do it. Look here with me in Acts 4.27. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before it be done. Now, Lord, this is an important verse. This is a key verse right here. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I want to see that happen again, and I know you do too. Let's find out, though. Let's take a look at our next slide. Did you see in verse 29 that key verse? They did not say, God... Remove the threat of the Roman Empire. Remove the threat of the Jewish authority. They did not pray for that. They did not say, God, protect me. God, keep them away from me. They instead prayed in verse 29, God, give us boldness. God, glorify the name of Jesus Christ. No matter what's happening to us, may we glorify Him. So in your immediate prayer, start glorifying God. And if we quote the Apostle Paul, with thanksgiving, somebody say amen. Give us boldness. That's my prayer for the church today. Give us boldness. That's my prayer for each individual Christian. God, give us boldness. Boldness to share the gospel. Boldness to be a witness. And these disciples prayed for boldness instantly, immediately. Let's look at the next one. Jesus also prayed earnestly. Earnestly. Let's look at verse 44 of Luke chapter 22. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. I couldn't think of anybody to do anything more earnestly than Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? My Bible says he prayed more earnestly than Jesus in agony. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. There have been many people who debated with me, so though the Bible says it was like great drops of blood. Some people will say it was drops of blood, and we don't get to it. What do you think, Pastor? I'll tell you what I think. I think verse 44. That's what I think. That's what I think. The sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground because he's praying so earnestly. Remember, we've got to pray instantly and we've got to pray earnestly. Your prayer should not be half-hearted. Your prayer should not be half-witted. Your prayer should not be irreverent. But your prayer should be earnest earnestly seeking God's will in this very doomed and evil world. Earnestly. Let's take a look at the next one. Second example. Remember he prayed earnestly. Sweat became and just in a great drop of blood. That's how earnest he was. He sweated. Have you ever worked so hard that you sweat? Have you ever prayed so hard that you sweat? Are you hearing me? Have you ever prayed so hard that you sweat? Jesus prayed so earnestly his sweat was like great drops of blood. I'm a believer that the world's blood is blood. Next one, please. Pictures. One of the most powerful pictures. I love it because we don't get to see his face. But I know that we can hear his voice. The earnestness that Luke tells us about. It's something we would remember. The earnestness in his prayer 
Jesus. Nevertheless, Father, that thy will be done. Go to the next slide, please. James 5, 16, 18, you get a picture of earnest prayer. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Uh-oh, what? You want to get healed? Don't keep it secret. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Effective, earnest. Effective, powerful. Effective, it's operative. And I don't have time to go through operative, effective prayer and faith. We know we probably need to do that. Let's take a look at verse 17. Eliyah, Elijah, was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Earnest prayer produces rain. Earnest prayer produces fruit. Earnest prayer keeps the enemy from succeeding. Are you hearing me now, church? Are you getting beat up by the world? Are you getting sifted around like wheat in the air? Start earnestly praying. And by the way, do it instantly. Immediately. Let's take a look at the next one. He prays with intercession as well. That's right. He didn't just pray immediately and earnestly. He also prays with intercession. What does that mean? We read about that in Hebrews chapter 7. So let's take a look at Jesus' interceding right here. Look at Hebrews 22, verse 32. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Intercession. He prayed for Peter. And when you return to me, strengthen your breath. He prayed for his people. He prayed for his brothers. He prayed for his sisters. You know, you know something else? He would have prayed for people. For politicians, oh, people that are praying for people who have different thoughts and ideas. He prayed for them. Probably prayed for their intercession. Let's take a look at that. Next slide, please. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, intercession. Look at this right here, Philippians 1:19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church of Philippi while in prison. And he's actually telling them in this thank you letter. He prayed for me because I know this will turn out for my deliverance. They're going to let me out through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit. Because you're praying. Are you one of those that says, I'm going to pray for you, brother, I'm going to pray for your sister, and you don't actually do it? Are you one of those? Don't do that. Pray immediately. Pray earnestly. Pray in intercession. Jesus did. Do it right now. Do it right now. You know something else? Jesus text me. Back a prayer. So if you'll be reading it with me, we'll be praying together. I believe in the power of prayer. He says, Pastor, pray with me. I'm going to text you back. Or I may say, Pray right now. That means I'm on my knees praying right now. Pray with me. Pray for me. Pray immediately. Pray earnestly. Pray. We pray for God's will to be done. Pray for God's will to be done. Look up here in verse 42. Father, it is your will to take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. Your 
with us. We pray, Father, let your will be done. Let your will be done. You one of those who don't get the answer to the prayer I wanted, so I'm mad. You one of those who said, Lord, I had all the faith, so much faith, I can move mountains. You one of those who said, I fasted. Everybody who walks down that aisle and says, 
I'll put Jesus in my heart. My Bible says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's why you can't be an effective Christian. That's why you can't be a drug addicted to you. You're me. I didn't say that. Verse 1 2. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? We predicted correctly in your name. Some people, some preachers, some theologians, because that word is similar, sometimes equal to the word preach, some will say, We do not preach in your name. That's a good translation. Have we not preached in your name? Have we not cast out demons in thy name? Have we not cast out demons in why? Have you not done many wonders in your name? Look at here in verse 22. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. You know what the word of God is? But you know him. But you know him. I talk to him, I'm going to know him.
Lord Jesus. Let me, Lord God, do my part. Let me be your prayer, Lord, who prays immediately because I know you and I know what you can do. Let me, Lord God, be your prayer who prays earnestly because I know you and I know what you can do and I want to be like you and I want to pray, Lord, to sweat comes out of me. You don't want to miss that sermon. We're talking about eyeballs. <laughs> All right. Shalom. <laughs>